Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes! Please stop! I got a bad feeling about this. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Did you go out with Ray? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Get away from her, you bitch! You're gonna need a bigger boat. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Night Podcast. My name is Dalton Burdett. I'm Ryan Warner. And we're back for another little episode. For today, we're going to talk about our top 10 favorite movies of the year, along with some disappointing ones for us. And what we're also going to do is talk about some little news stories, even though there's really no news stories to report. We're mostly just going to do the top 10 list, and we're going to do the box office as well. And I think we're going to kick off with the box office. Are you ready, Mr. Warner? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool, cool. So, last weekend at the box office, Aquaman came in at number one, pulling in a about thirty million dollars, thirty point seven million dollars, which is pretty good for its third week. Especially since it's a DCEU movie, and those movies aren't doing, you know, too well with reviews and stuff. Yeah, it's a significant improvement over Justice League, which, uh, oh yeah. which I think that kind of highlights the fa- the failure of Justice League. Like, it didn't flop, but it definitely failed, if that makes sense. And you know, the fact that it was the lowest grossing of the DCEU. And it was the culmination of what it was supposed to be. It's goes to show you how, at the time, how rushed Warner Brothers was at the time. But under Walter Hamada and the new leadership, I'm really glad that Aquaman's doing okay critically and very well financially. So you think this is going to like kickstart the DCEU with this and then Shazam? Well, this movie was about halfway through production when, when Walter Hamada came on, maybe three quarters of the way through production. So he had his fingerprints on it a little bit, but I think his first full movie is going to be Shazam. So we'll see how Shazam does. And I'm excited for that movie. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm very excited for Shazam. And I think that depending on how well that movie does, um, if it does really well and it's a financial and critical hit, then Walter Hamada's coming out the gates and it's going to be awesome. And I think with what we've seen from Aquaman in terms of financial success, it's a good sign. Um, I thought the movie was fun. It was pretty okay. A lot of people really like it, but some people hate it. I've talked to people who really hate the film. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's at a 60-something, so it's, it's positive. So yeah, so, you know, I think it's the second fresh DCEU movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, definitely go see it. I think it's worth the watch. Oh, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's fun as hell. Even if you don't really like it, it's fun as hell. Um, going on to second place is a movie called Escape Room, the horror movie from Sony that came out open to $18 million, which... For a $9 million budget, this is a good sign. It's going to break even for the studio, make some money, depending on the upcoming week. Especially in January, it'll be pretty slow. Um, I did not like this movie. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we watched it, and uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating concept, especially since escape rooms are really yeah, big right yeah. now. Smart, smart move to make this movie now. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, poorly executed. Yeah, and um, it's getting. There are some people I, I like watch online and read, and they they seem to really like the film. Mm-hmm. I really disagree with them. I think there's some positive aspects. Like I loved Deborah Ann Wall's performance, and oh, hold on, I gotta look up the main actress's name who's oh, in that was movie. That Karen Page, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Deborah Ann Wall was Karen Page from Daredevil. I hold on, really quick. I'm gonna look up the act, the main actress in that movie because I forgot her name. But okay. I I really enjoyed her performance, main actress. I'll have her name in a second. Yeah, I, I thought. Both of them were the strongest parts of the movie. Um, definitely the main girl. Uh, Taylor Russell's her name. Yeah, I thought she did really, really well. Um, also, the guy from Tucker and Dale, Tyler Labine. Labine I thought he was he good. He was out of place. I, his character was out of place. I agree. He was good for what he was given. Yeah. But um, something that I really didn't like about the film was it just it it was it was very poorly. 
constructed. Like a lot of scenes, just the even the blocking felt off. And like when you notice the blocking being mm-hmm. off, like that's not good. Like yeah. like it just something feels off. What I'll give the movie is there's one sequence that I thought was actually incredibly well done and it had a lot of tension. And that was the if you've seen the trailers for the film, there's a moment where they're in an upside down room. That room was by far the best room, the best scene in the whole movie. Yeah, and just um, I I felt tension. I was like I didn't know what was gonna happen. That scene really had me the whole time. But before and after that was really I didn't care and especially the the first act was so bad like the setup was so bad yeah definitely more of a Netflix movie that way you can just turn it off and like leave <laughs> yeah yeah no uh, I didn't I, I didn't like that one very much but some people have and you know it's, it's gonna make money so yeah. that's all that kudos, kudos to them they did their job they, they sold tickets to it yeah and then that's all Sony can really ask for coming in at third was Mary Poppins Returns making about 15.7 million uh, fourth Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse with 13 and coming in fifth was Bumblebee, making another 12. Um, I, I, I'm going to show you something with the box office really quick. Yeah. Let's look at Mary Poppins Returns. Now, it opened up on a Wednesday, but not counting its sort of Wednesday. Um, it opened, in its original opening days, it made 32... No, I'm sorry. It made $23 million, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. Yeah. And, but usually in second weekends, movies tend to drop. They drop about 50%. Well, in the weekend of December 28th through 30th, it jumped up 20% and made $28 million. That's pretty impressive. It's very impressive. Now, let's take a look at Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that weekend. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the same weekend, December 28th through the 30th, that was its third weekend, and it jumped up 14.2% in its third weekend of the December 28th through 30th time. From 16 million to 18 million. Yes, although its first weekend I made 35. Right, but again, that was its third weekend. Yes. But it still went up, which is a good sign. Yeah, and just it just goes to show you that towards the end of the year, like right after Christmas, right before New Year's, that sweet spot, everyone's going to the movies. And, you know, that that's why that weekend was kind of so packed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the only one that kind of suffered from it was Bumblebee. But here's the thing with Bumblebee, it made $21 million its opening, made 20 Yeah, so still, it's, it's still making a lot of money. Yeah, it dropped 3%. That's nothing. So it just goes to show you that that weekend is really competitive. And it, it, it's unfortunate because I think Aquaman, Bumblebee, and Mary Poppins all could have benefited if they spread out. Mm-hmm. But um, Alita Battle Angel got the hell out of there, and that was smart, okay. that was smart of them. They're going to open in February, and I think they're going to be a lot more successful in February. Yeah, because if they would have stayed opening up to all these other blockbusters, it would have suffered heavily. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, and I'm glad, because that movie actually, lo- I think it looks really good. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, each, each trailer sold me more on it. So there, that is your box office report for the weekend of January 4th through the 6th. Now we're going to go ahead and go on to our next topic. Ryan, go ahead and pull up your top 10 favorite movies of the year for me. Start with 10. Go through one, and then I'll do the same, and I'm sure we're going to have some topics of conversation along the way. Oh, yeah. So go ahead and lay it on me, my guy. Well, this first one at number 10, uh, we've talked about this several times, mm-hmm. um, Operation Finale. Oh, I yeah. love that movie, mm-hmm. and you disagree, which is great, Yeah, because it sparks conversation. I think the performances in that were amazing. It's probably my favorite Oscar Isaac film, and I've seen more of his films really? recently. Oh, yeah, I, I think he was fantastic in it. Okay. Uh, ben Kingsley was great in it, playing Adolf Eichmann. Um, I just thought it was a really great ensemble. Uh, it was a great cast, and they mm-hmm. all had chemistry, and I, I thoroughly loved that movie. 
Okay, I will. Where I'll agree with you is the cast. I think the performances in that movie are very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I just liked the film. It was actually one of my least favorite. I'll have that on like my disappointings list. Mm-hmm. But um, to me, it was a movie that thought it was a lot better than it was. Okay. And you could tell just from watching it that the filmmakers thought like, aha, look at the movie we're making. It's going to be really good. And it didn't, it didn't come across that way. And I think that um, with while the performances were, were really good, especially with Kingsley and Oscar Isaac, like you pointed out, the con- like kind of like Escape Room, the construction of the film felt very poor to me. Like mm-hmm. there were also moments in that movie where I was like, something just feels not right about this scene. Or when they would try to build tension and it just felt very flat for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I know I'm supposed to feel tense in this scene and I don't. And that's so funny because the one scene when they're about to capture Adolf yeah. Eichmann, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, I knew, like, mm-hmm. as a history person, yeah. I know the story, like, yeah. and it was fascinating to watch it. And that one scene when they're about to capture him, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, I thought that that was amazing. And hilariously, in the theater, I looked at you and I was like, I didn't feel that scene at all. Yeah. And you were like, are you kidding me? But yeah, yeah. But like, again, like, it's just an example of the subjectivity of film because I felt no intensity in that film whatsoever mm-hmm. but you know it's your number 10 so yeah. that's all that matters uh so coming in at number nine for me would be bumblebee okay. i i love big ass robots fighting each other i love yeah. all the transformer movies oh i know <laughs> i know you're not a big fan of them um but i love all of them bumblebee was blew me out of the water i wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was mm-hmm. especially looking at all the reviews but it's such like a lighthearted film and it just has like a strong message of like friendship and like as on the nose as that is like it's it was fantastic mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I i agree with you in that bumblebee really surprised me i didn't even watch transformers 4 and 5 just because i was fed up after the three. mark Wal- both of those are the mark Wahlberg ones yeah yeah, yeah. okay um but i went to go see bumblebee just because i heard word of mouth and i i really wanted to see it because travis knight directed it who directed kubo and the two strings which is one of my favorite animated movies i love that film mm-hmm. and he's more of a new director too right yeah newish and um this film was really really focused on character and i think that that's what really made it well not just the human characters like they made the transformers actual characters yeah and, and i think that's what benefited from it um the action was really good i mean it was a bit cheesy at times but i'll take cheesy over bad you know what i mean oh yeah and like you said the action the first 15 minutes oh, blew yeah. us away yeah yeah it was it was great and i really enjoyed the film but just not enough to make my top 10 but okay. i'm glad to see that it made your list what's next yeah um <laughs> creed 2 oh, is in at number 8 okay um if we're we're big fans of the Rocky yeah um, franchise. franchise, and after watching Rocky Four and seeing how goofy that movie is, and just like <laughs> Rocky ending the Cold War, and then them coming out with Creed Two, taking Rocky Four, that goofy movie, into a serious movie, blew me away. You care about um, Ivan Drago, you care about his family, you care about what happened to him after uh, he lost to Rocky, and it shows you that, and they're struggling, and it's like. They turned this goofy character into someone serious, and <laughs> yeah. it, it blew me away with how well done it was. Yeah, and it, it's just an example that can go to show you how it doesn't matter what your premise is, what your story is, with the right writer, with the right team, you can make anything believable and good. Oh, yeah. And um, I also really enjoyed Creed 2. I think it's a step down from the first one, okay. but I still really, really enjoyed the film. Again, not good enough to make my top 10, but I agree with you in that it was a really entertaining film. Like, our audience was in it, dude. They were clapping oh, yeah. during the fight. Like, it was, it was a great theater experience. Oh, yeah, and then the last... 
uh, fight. I mean, it was kind of predictable. Yeah. Like, if you know any of the Rocky movies, you yeah. know he's going to lose. Yeah. You know he's going to have to overcome it. Then he's going to have to yeah, come back, yeah. and then he's going to win. It's very um, formulaic. Yeah. Is that the word? Yeah, yeah. So, it was predictable all the way through. But, like you said, the audience was into it. Like, we, it felt like we were watching a real boxing match just because everyone was in it. There were people for Drago in it. Yeah, there, there were people, people in the crowd like Drago. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, made it better. Um, but it, it was a uh, very well done film. Uh, my next one, which I think you can agree with this, uh, Upgrade. Yes. It came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I didn't see it in theaters. But I wish I had because yeah. this movie was fantastic. Um, it just... Like I said, came out of nowhere. The uh, Logan Marshall Green, his performance was amazing. Yeah. Um, cinematography was fantastic. Whenever he would go mm-hmm. from like his normal human state to the cybernetic state, yeah. One of the most well done movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Um, really, really awesome movie. Um, is it your number seven? Uh, yeah. That's my number seven too. Is it really? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, I'm really awesome i think it's great that lee wanell made that movie mm-hmm. who's a a great writer and now he's showing us he's a great director i thought logan marshall green did a really great job and now every time i see a movie where he plays a small part i'm like god they wasted him oh yeah because he's so good in that movie but uh yeah no it's a really good film and um i liked how it was in the future but it didn't like bash you in the head like we're in the future like it yeah. just had very subtle technology technological upgrades like especially with like and say like what year it is you just know it's the future yeah and then that that kind of makes it timeless as well because you know it's not gonna be like back to the future like 2015 lol you know yeah but uh but yeah no um i thought it was a really well done film and i look forward to seeing what lee winnell does next oh for sure uh so coming in at number six is eighth grade oh i i, I also love this movie watch it if you went through eighth grade, which is like everyone. everyone. Yeah. You can relate to this film on at some point in the movie, mm-hmm. and it was just such like it brought you back yeah. to like your awkward stages, yeah. and it was fantastic. Cringe to the max, but it, like you're supposed to feel yeah. the cringe, and it just like oh, all, all I'm gonna say is pool party. That's all I'm gonna say. And Bo Burnham does a great job of like yeah. drawing you into that movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't give the scene away for those of you who haven't seen it, but. This has one of the most horrific and scary movie scenes of the year. And I think I know yeah. the scene you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Or you, you know the scene I'm talking about. Um, for anyone who's seen this movie, or who has not seen this movie, I highly, highly, highly recommend, especially because I know a lot of people who work in, like, education. Mm-hmm. Very important that you see this film. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, but number five is a documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, yes. about Fred Rogers. Mm-hmm. And I'll get into it a little bit later with another movie, but... This is like one of the few movies that really like impacted me. It's like yeah. just the message of being, uh, just be nice, mm-hmm. like be a nice human being. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't win an Oscar, <laughs> oh, dude, it's th- dude, the, it's going to be a tie competition though. Yeah. It's going to be a tie competition. Though. But won't you be my neighbor is fantastic. I keep trying to find it, but I I can't find it anywhere. I have to have it. It's just like a. It's like you have to have this one. Yeah, yeah, and it's. It's such a good movie. If you haven't seen it, please do yourself a favor and watch it. It's so emotional. It's so mm-hmm. impactful and powerful. Just it's it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um. I also really enjoyed the film. Not enough for it to be in my top ten, but I really really like the movie. Yeah. And I think that it's um. It, it really just kind of just opens the light on like, hey, here's Fred Rogers' life, and this is what a nice human being he was, and how you know you can kind of change the world if you're that nice to people. Yeah. And um, I think 
it might have competition at the Oscars for Best Documentary just because Three Identical Strangers and the Peter Jackson one came out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, They Shall Not Grow Old is what it's called. Uh, it's going to be a tough contest. But, I mean, hey, it's got the people's vote behind it, so we'll yeah, see. Definitely. Um, so number four is A Quiet Place. Again, I did not see this movie in theaters. I wish I had because it's such a unique film mm-hmm. with how they play with sound. Yeah. And that if you make sound, mm-hmm. they'll hunt you, so on and so forth. And I can't even imagine what that was like in theaters. Because I've heard stories yeah. of like people eating popcorn and like that's all you heard was yeah. people munching. P- people literally would be like, stop. Yeah. And, like, and people would stop. Yeah. And it's just such a unique atmosphere that John Krasinski made. Mm-hmm. And I thought he did wonderful in that movie, both directing and acting. First time directing. Third time directing. Oh, third time directing. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fantastic. Emily Blunt, I oh, think, kills it. Yeah. had the performance of a lifetime in it. Mm-hmm. Just the bathtub scene alone mm-hmm. just makes that whole movie. Yeah. And it's such a unique world that he built. I'm going to hold off on any comments in this movie till we get to my list, and you know why. But uh, oh, yeah. continue. Um, so now we're in the top three. And this one, I feel like came out of nowhere, was... Uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yes, great film. One of the best movies I've ever seen. Bam, really? You're going to throw that right off the bat? I, I, I think so. Okay. It's such... The way that the animation style is, mm-hmm. it's like you're reading a comic book mm-hmm. with the thought bubbles and mm-hmm. just everything about it. I thought was amazing. There's no love interest, which I'm not real big on that kind of storyline, but it's just a Spider-Man movie where he is being Spider-Man, where he learned, where Miles Morales learns to be Mm Spider-Man, learns what it means to be him. And just with the multiverse with other Spider-Men, Nicolas Cage was hilarious in it. Um, Yeah. I I would argue that it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of comic book movies, and depending on the day you ask me, I could say this is in the top ten or even top five comic book movies of all time. Oh, yeah. Really, really fantastic movie, and um, I, what I like about it is the filmmakers, I think, were smart enough to go with animation on this, because mm-hmm. they wanted you to feel like you were in a comic book. They wanted to fit you in this world and create this, but also have a sort of grounded in reality around you with the alternate realities going on at the same time, mm-hmm. and I think the, the animation choice was perfect, and I think the style of animation was amazing. It's unlike any animation style I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. And it looked really, really interesting. And just on top of that, the characters, the story, you were completely bought into it from the moment it started. And, um, you know, it just goes to show you, like, when you have people who care about character and care about story, you're going to make great movies. It doesn't matter what goes on in them. So, yeah, no, I agree. Great film. Oh, yeah. Uh, Number two, which I'm really happy about, is Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. That, Rami Malek playing Freddie Mercury, it sold me. Like, that's, that's who... Freddie Mercury was. I didn't obviously personally know him, but it like I kind of saw his life and was like, what an interesting person. Mm-hmm. And Brian Singer, the director for it, was uh, the Live Aid scene yeah. alone mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah. I like I, I don't know if you've seen it, but on YouTube they have just the Queen bit. Yeah. And I watched that before. It's almost identical. Almost identical. And it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They had to rebuild Wembley Stadium, mm-hmm. and it looks shot for shot, movement for movement, 
like the real Live Aid. Yeah. And I thought everyone a part of that movie did fantastic. I was sold that Rami Malek was um, Freddie Mercury. You know, I, I, I agree with Rami Malek's performance. Unbelievable. And the Live Aid part, I knew we were in for something special when they showed the Pepsi cups in the cans. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. that like, And it was looked exactly how it was. And um, as for the movie, I really, really enjoy it. It's not my top ten. Because just because I think it takes a long time for it to sort of find its own footing. Okay. Because it kind of just feels like, oh, music biopic, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Brian Singer and direct Dexter Fletcher directed the movie because Brian Singer was fired. There was that whole thing. And, um, um, by the way, we want to point out that um, if Brian Singer is found guilty of what he is accused of, uh, we don't support that. We just want to get that out there yes. right away. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Cool. Just want to get that out there before someone attacks me for saying Brian Singer's name. But uh, but in, just in terms of the overall direction of the film, I thought it was very well done, mm-hmm. and um, I also enjoyed the movie. And tell us your number one, sir. No movie has stuck with me like A Star Is Born. Okay. I know that this is like the tenth time it's been remade or whatever, <laughs> but it n- both Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga's performances were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I. I haven't really seen Lady Gaga in any acting performances before, but she could to- like she sells me like she yeah. if she became a full time actress like I would fully support that like she was fantastic and Bradley Cooper was amazing in it mm-hmm. their chemistry was unbelievable and like I said no movie has stuck with me more mm-hmm. than that movie and it's funny because earlier I was talking about like I'm not real big into like yeah. love stories and like dramas and stuff but this movie was phenomenal my number one movie of the year all right so real quick just give us 10 through one back to back to back so 10 was operation finale nine bumblebee eight creed two upgrade eighth grade won't you be my neighbor a quiet place number number three is spider-man into the spider-verse number two is bohemian rhapsody and then number one is a star is born Rad dad, my guy, rad dad. All right, it is now my turn. I'm going to tell you guys the top 10 movies of 2018. Also, for anyone who follows me on social media, eventually I'm going to make a video talking about more than 10 because I just do that every year. It's a lot of fun. And I'll have my good buddy Ryan here help me out with that. Of course. All right. Um, Starting off, and and some movies overlap, so I'm not going to spend too much time on, you know, what we've already said. Interestingly enough, your number one is my number 10. Number 10 is going to be A Star is Born for me. I also thought that it was a very, very well done movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Bradley Cooper did an r- amazing job acting, a good job directing. Lady Gaga was really good, especially in the emotional scenes. Oh, yeah. Um, I think she had just a, to me, the subtlety was a bit off. But I, I, I just think it's a mix of Bradley Cooper being a first-time director and Lady Gaga, while she has acting experience, like as, when she was younger and on some shows, I think it was just, just kind of getting back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. But like not knocking her performance or the direction at all. It was still both very, very well done and good. Right. Um, what might have hindered my view of it is I saw the 1954 one literally like less than 24 hours before I saw this one. Mm-hmm. So I knew all the story beats. But even when I knew the story beats, this movie still kind of blew me away a little bit. Like um, the way... Um, it sort of updated it. it was really well done. The new take on Bradley Cooper's character, because I thought in the 50s one he was kind of a prick, but in this one he was just a flawed guy. I thought they did a really great job of updating that story. Mm-hmm. I thought that the movie, the concert scenes are very well done. The music's great. Um, the characters and story, everything was very well done. Even Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott was great. And he every scene he was in, he stole. And he's not in the movie that much, but yeah. he stole every scene he was in. 
Um, yeah. So number 10 is going to be Star is Born for me. Number 9 is also going to be a movie on your list, which is 8th grade. I've already praised this movie on your end. Um, mm-hmm. Please, if you have not seen 8th grade, it's a very important movie. I highly recommend that you go see it. Um, number 8. This is a movie that I freaking love that nobody talks about. And I know that you and Nick and other Movie Nights people don't feel the same way about it. I, I, I think it's a good movie. Okay, but I think it's a great movie. Number 8 is Thoroughbreds. I love this movie. It, it, it came out in early, I think, March of 2018 very underground movie yeah 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 no it was it was an extremely underground movie um it it was in the independent festival for a while because um uh anton yelchin's in this film and he this was his i believe it's his last official movie before he passed away and um it's directed by Corey finley and it stars anya taylor joy aka my future wife and olivia cook as well um the performances from those two blew me away like i am especially olivia cook just the psychopath that she played Mm -hmm. and i love the way that this movie sort of plays with it and it's like a dark comedy of like you know for those of you don't know the plot of the movie is these two girls plot to kill one of the other stepdad and it's like just in that comedic way of like well why don't you just kill him it's a very very dark comedy yes yes very dark of just like that i love the scene of like well we could just kill him and she's like all right don't, don't be don't be like joking she's like i'm not let's do it just like that whole, yeah. and just how unsettling you feel as it gets more and more real mm-hmm. is in, it's the way it's done. Like the scene where um, Olivia Cook teaches Annie Taylor Joy how to cry. Yeah, that scene, I love that scene. Just like there's, there's a lot in this movie that I really really love. It's unique structure, mm-hmm. it's feel and the performances and the overall direction. I really really enjoy this film. And for those of you who have not watched Thoroughbreds, I'm sure you can rent it somewhere on the streaming service, probably Amazon maybe. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But please, please give Thoroughbreds a watch. Great film, in it's, my it's opinion. An, it's an interesting movie. Yeah. But, I mean, like I said, it's it's a good movie. Definitely, well, obviously not on my ten, top ten list, but mm-hmm. it, it's worth a watch. Yeah. I think it's great, but, you know, subjectivity. Uh, number seven, My number seven is also Upgrade. We talked about that enough, I think, on your end. It's a fantastic film. Oh, yeah. I saw it three times in theaters. I love it. I love that movie. Uh, coming in number six, which is a movie we also talked about, was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Really, really love that film. Um, again, we'll just say really quick, great story, great characters, beautiful animation style, one of the best movies of the year. Oh, yeah. No, no arguments here. <laughs> um, my number five, going in the top five, is Mission Impossible Fallout. I really, really, really love that film. Um, I think it is arguably the best Mission Impossible movie, although for, don't ask, I love three. I'm so partial. Is that the J.J. Abrams one? Yes, I'm so partial to that movie because I love Philip Seymour Hoffman's villain and J.J.'s direction. I and, and don't get me wrong, I, I like them all, except maybe maybe not two. But I like I like them all. But uh, they're um, especially Ghost Protocol is really great as well. But I love Mission Impossible three. But Tom Cruise is back, baby. Yeah, no, no. When did he leave, sir? <laughs> but uh, um, I love Mission Impossible Fallout. I thought the action sequences were incredible. Um, just the overall like the visceral feeling you have. When during the stunts, during the chase scenes, there's fucking helicopters and mountains that they're just chasing each other, and it's legit. Every Mission Impossible movie that comes out, Tom Cruise finds a way to up the ante on all the stunts, yeah. and it's unbelievable because they keep it fresh. Yeah, I swear this is just a long-term suicide plan. <laughs> it's like, pretty dark. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. He's was just like Christopher McQuarrie. This was Christopher McQuarrie. He also directed the Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible Rogue and, Nation. Uh, no, Brad Bird did Ghost Protocol. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so this is the first time a director came back yeah. to do a Mission Impossible movie, and it worked out great because it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, Nick and I were lucky enough to see it early. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, great film, um, and just the, the intensity was amped up. It really played with a lot of uh, modern scares going on, and I think um, just the overall... I cared more about Ethan Hunt in this movie than I have about any of the other movies. I think I can say that, except maybe the third one with his wife. Yeah. But, yeah, I really, really love this movie, and the spectacle was fantastic. And just action movies, more action movies need to be like this. Real stuff. Show me that people fucking were crazy when they were making this movie. Yeah. And just, you know, it kept you on the edge of your seat. There were some scenes where I was just, I couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. And Henry Cavill loaded his arms as, as like they were guns. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. And interestingly enough, if you didn't know this, Tom Cruise broke his ankle. On oh yeah, set, yeah, yeah, that's true. And they used that take in the movie whenever he's jumping from building to building. Yeah, it it was pretty rad. And um, you know, the mustache that ruined Justice League, it's it's always great to see it put on display. Oh yeah, and they show it. Oh, I love Paramount. Like Paramount became my favorite studio when they did that, uh, which is a topic conversation for another day. Yeah. But um, top four. My number four is Green Book, directed by Peter Farrelly, starring Mahershala Ali and Viggo Morgenstern. Unbelievable! I was really shocked because this is the guy that made Dumb and Dumber, which I love Dumb and Dumber. Mm -hmm. But you know, you, you don't expect a movie with this sort of uh, material, ma material and sort of just gravitas of the situation. Mm -hmm. But the thing that makes this movie as great as it is is its sense of comedic timing. Because when you have a story like this, you can't just have it be all down and dull. And usually, when they put a lighter end on these types of movies, it's rejected by the Academy, rejected by critics, saying, wow, they didn't take it seriously. But the way this movie blends its comedy with its serious notions, extremely well done, and it's family-friendly, and it's, it's almost like a, a, Chris, a Christmas movie, like yeah. trying to get home for Christmas. And it's, again, the, the performances, the chemistry between Viggo Morgenstern and Herschel Ali, fantastic. There are several scenes in this movie where you're tearing up, yeah. just with how powerful and emotional these guys are, and just how authentic they both felt playing their respective characters. Mm -hmm. Viggo Mortensen's always been a great actor. I love History of Violence. You ever see that movie? I have not. You gotta watch it. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I loved Green Book. I saw it twice. Really, really fantastic film. And I hope it does well in the awards season. And please go see this because we watched the trailers. I mean, I don't know yeah. about you, but myself, I was watching the trailers and I was like, ah, this movie seems like okay. Watched it, blew me away. Mm -hmm. The trailers, I feel like, do not do it justice for how good that movie is. Yeah, no, I, I really, really love Green Book. All right, coming in at number three, this probably seems obvious if you know who I am, but whatever. Number three is Avengers Infinity War. Uh, part of the reason why I really love this film is, one, it's really fun and it's awesome. Let's just get that out there. Oh, yeah. Two, the buildup of ten years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe leaning to this moment. It's an unprecedented move. Like, this is truly a staple of... A, an entire cinematic universe being built over several franchises, several filmmakers, one lead producer, to lead to this moment. Kevin Feige. Yes. Let, do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior, Kevin Feige? No, but um, it's just what an achievement. And not only that, but the way the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely, the writers, were able to balance everything out and not, to the best of their ability, not make it feel overclumped or feel like some characters got the shit end of the stick. And the way they were able to just keep the spectacle, keep the pace and story going, it felt like you were watching it for 30 minutes. It's almost like a two and a half hour movie. These are a lot of main characters where yeah. they had to figure out what to do. Yeah, like literally if you watch interviews, like the writer said they just had a draft wall of all the MCU characters. And they kind of drafted them into the script, like which is fascinating. But yeah, no, this is um, 
this is filmmaking, what filmmaking can achieve when the money's in the right hands. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I hope the MCU continues forever, honestly. And, you know, the way that Infinity War was able to keep it spectacle, the way that it kind of, it had a a pop culture impact. Like that's, you've seen it by now. I'm fucking, the snap. Everyone knows what that is, even even if you haven't seen the movie. And, you know, people are going to be rallying up ready for Avengers Endgame. I know I'm one of them. That's going to be, the stakes are going to be even higher for Endgame, which is going to be, if, if Infinity War was number three on your list, Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see how Endgame is going to rank for you. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be something. Um, My number two film, which is a film that not enough people saw. No. It's called Bad Times at the El Royale. Holy shit, this movie was good. Drew Goddard came in, wrote and directed the movie. I love him as a writer. He wrote the Martian film. Um, He was the writer of the first two episodes of Daredevil, which is one of my favorite episodes of television ever. Um, And I believe he directed Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I think that was the last movie he directed before this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, What a fantastic, an immensely talented guy. You know, this is sort of like the um, 1970s pulp fiction, sort of. Just the interlooping stories and told from different perspectives. And how they, like, when you find out why they're lying, you find out how each character is unique and how they're all coming together at this damn hotel. Something is up and no one wants to admit what's going on. The constant intrigue that the script builds, the intensity, the acting, mm-hmm. the surprises of just out of nowhere shit happening, but it still makes sense and it keeps you in the story and it doesn't take you out of it. Mm-hmm. That is carefully put together, carefully planned out. And there's no, I don't think anyone other than Drew Goddard could have pulled it off the way that it was. Yeah. And I, I think that this film, again, was not seen by enough people. And I highly, highly recommend everyone go see Bad Times at the El Royale. I just want to say two things about it. Mm-hmm. The most, in, it has one of the most intense scenes in cinematic history I with know. the clapping. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. That, and then one character kind of felt out of place for me. Mm-hmm. You have to see it for yourself to really like know what I'm talking about because I don't want to spoil anything because mm-hmm. it is a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah. But just one character kind of felt out of place, and I'm yeah. sure you could pick up who I'm talking. Are you talking about, about the Chris Hemsworth character? No, 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 no. The um, one of the main characters. Like they, so each character has a motive for being here, mm-hmm. and throughout the movie, you find out what that motive is, what that underlying like, mm-hmm. oh my god, like they're they're not a good person at all, mm-hmm. and then just one of those people felt out of place for me. I don't know. We'll talk. We'll talk about it after. Okay, um, but there is an actor from that movie I want to spotlight real quick because he this performance really kind of blew me away, and I didn't expect it because I've seen him. I don't know where I've seen him, but I recognized him in the movie. But he was so good in this film. Where is he? Give me one second. Ba-dum, ba-dum. Um, sorry for the slight delay. We're getting there. Don't you worry. This guy. Is it the uh, bellhop? L- Lewis Pullman, who plays the bellhop in the movie. Yes, the bellhop was so good. He had one of the best character arcs of all time. Yeah, and he he has the saddest moment in the movie. Like oh, I yeah. I almost cried at the end of this movie with him. It was. His performance was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he did amazing. So, Lewis Pullman, awesome performance. Jeff Bridges, always great. But, yeah, we can go on all day about this movie. My number one, which is also on your list. Number one movie of the year is A Quiet Place. I thought this movie was absolutely genius. Not only just in the way it's constructed, but I really admire the script. How it... Because this could have easily been a movie that just completely told you everything. Like, in 19 blah, 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 the aliens came and they look like this and they act like this. No. Newspaper headlines, visual storytelling, the way that it, it let you in as much as you needed to know, didn't overblow anything with exposition, and it created real human characters. 
and it, and it makes sense. Like, oh, they survived because they have a deaf daughter. That's why they know sign language. Like, everything made sense perfectly. And the family dynamic about them just trying to stay together through everything that's been going on. And the way that it introduces you into this world with that opening scene that was, oh my god, with, I'm not going to spoil it, we'll say a spaceship, um, was unbelievable. And not only that, but like you said, the use of sound was really revolutionary in what they did. But something I want to talk about is that it used classic filmmaking techniques to serve different story purposes than usually realized. And the example I'm going to give, there's a scene, this isn't that spoilery, there's a scene in this movie in which the characters find out how to def- no, I'm sorry, the audience finds out how to defeat the monsters, but the characters don't know yet. Alfred Hitchcock said the number one rule of suspense is tell your audience something that the characters don't know. Mm-hmm. And usually that's used in a sense of like, oh, you find out who the villain is, but no one else knows. And it creates a suspense of like, oh God, there he is, he's right there, but the characters don't know. Mm-hmm. This movie uses that tool of suspense to help you defeat the main antagonist. Because the whole time you're trying to just, you just want to leap in the screen and tell the characters like, this is how you defeat them. But you can't. And you're just sitting there waiting like, God damn it, when are they just going to realize what's going on? Mm -hmm. And that genius but classical story or filmmaking tool was so effective in that film. And who knew that one of the most terrifying scenes could just be someone stepping on a nail? Yeah. Who knew that that could be so scary and terrify the shit out of you? And, you know, just with that, the amazing direction by John Krasinski is what really gets this movie out there, especially Emily and Emily Blunt's performance as well. A Quiet Place is the number one movie of the year for me, and I'm going to go through 10 through 1 really quick. A Star is Born, 8th Grade, Thoroughbreds, Upgrade, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Mission Impossible Fallout, Green Book, Avengers Infinity War, Bad Times at the El Royale, and A Quiet Place are my top 10 of the year. Now, before we close, you mentioned that you want to talk about some disappointing movies as well. Yes. I will chime in a little bit. Go ahead and start your list, my guy. So, I don't like making a worst list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. neither do I, and I, I understand why. I think, movie, I think all movies are amazing. Mm-hmm. What people have to go through, both in front of the camera and behind the camera, pre-production, production, and post-production. Like it's, it, people are amazing with what they do. But some movies are a little disappointing, not what I thought that they'd live up to. Now, I don't want to go through the whole list. I just want to go through some yeah. that are on my list. Um, the first one is Equalizer 2. I agree with you. That was a quite disappointing movie. The first movie was fantastic. Yeah. My sister kept talking about it, kept talking about it. I was like, oh, I'll eventually watch it. Like I like Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. I watched it. The first one blew me away, so I was naturally excited for the second one mm-hmm. whenever I saw trailers. Yeah. Watched it. They had a very cool concept in the yeah. beginning of it, and then it just kind of fell off into something that's, yeah, yeah. that it's not. I, I agree. I agree. It started off like with a concept of like, oh, okay, if this is what this movie is, I'm in, and then it abandoned that concept. Mm-hmm. And, while, and while I should say, I don't think this is a necessarily bad film, yeah. just where it came from and what it should have been didn't live up to the level that it could have reached, and it was a disappointing film overall. Definitely. Um, another one where it's kind of the same thing mm-hmm. from the first one to the second one was uh, Sicario. Okay. While yeah. it's not the same team making it, and I knew yeah. it going into it, yeah. I, I knew it wouldn't touch the first one, but a little disappointed with the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Day of the... Soldado. Sol- Soldado. Yeah. Um, great cast. Different people behind the camera, which, I mean, I don't blame them. Again, yeah. there's no bad movies. It's yeah. just disappointing. Um, but what I'll say, while I, while I do think it's a step down, 
I really like that film. It's it's good. Yeah, it's I like it, but it's just disappointing. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say it's as disappointing as it could have been. Okay. Because when I found out who wasn't going to be behind the camera, I was like, wow, this is going to be a huge step down. Mm-hmm. And I thought the same thing about Creed 2 when Kugler wasn't making it. Yeah. But both films sort of impressed me with how they were able to still stand their ground. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just being a step down from the first one, I agree. Yes. Um, one that may surprise you mm-hmm. is First Man. I was a little disappointed in wow. that movie. I haven't seen any of um, Damien Chazelle's movies. Which is a shame. You need to watch Whiplash and La La Land, you little bastard. They're so good. Um, but after hearing all the hype between uh, Ryan Gosling and Damien Chazelle, I was like, wow, this is like really going to be a really good movie. I know that it was intentional, but the Neil Armstrong character was very bland, very meh. I got a very Blade Runner K character mm-hmm. from Ryan Gosling, I felt. Um, if he was just a little bit more fascinating, and I get that that's who Neil Armstrong was, just very like... Mm-hmm bland person i i have to do this for the sake of mankind i get that but i don't think it goes well on screen okay but still a good movie just a little disappointing mm-hmm. and this one's probably not going to surprise you but hold on hold on hold on really quick i really love first man so my top 20 i want to say that and uh, he's gonna he's gonna talk some blasphemy here in a minute yeah uh annihilation it looked beautiful the visuals were amazing this world that they built was fantastic the story was meh i felt it was a very interesting concept the i it's funny because me and kyler who's also part of movie nights mm-hmm. um us three watched it together and at one point myself and kyler looked at each other and we we're like this is like a rival which is funny because no one else feels that way <laughs> yeah no i don't but uh it's just, I don't know. It's just something, I guess it's the way it, it ends, but I just, I couldn't get behind it, which is funny because you're alone on this. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely love this movie. I'm like the only movie night that really, really loved this movie. Like, I think it's fantastic. It's in my top 20, which I'll talk about in my video that I make. Love it. I thought it was a fantastic, like I've said that, but um, I think that the performances are really great. I think that the story is very well done. I thought that the way it told its story, which the via flashbacks and the via scientific, how the whole movie is sort of a, like a metaphor for self-destruction. I thought it was a very, very well done and unique film that we're not going to see much of. And I thought that Alex Garland did a good job. Now, I have also done a crime. I have not seen Ex Machina yet, which apparently is fantastic. Ex Machina is probably one of my favorite films of all time. It's like one of the hundred films in my top ten. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we all have that struggle. But like, um, so... I, it, it makes me feel glad though because like you like Ex Machina but you, you weren't lying you were like I don't like Annihilation it's made by the same guy yeah. and it, but it's easy to say that you like it just because of you know the other one right. but um, but I, I really loved Annihilation it's just one of the things we disagree on yeah. um, my turn for disappointing yeah ooh okay disappointing uh, Death Wish was fucking terrible <laughs> with, uh, with Bruce Willis I thought that movie was garbage um, directed by Eli Roth which Okay. Really? Eli Roth directed Yes, that? yes. But here's the thing. Eli Roth made The House with a Clock in Its Walls, and that movie was fun, and that movie was good. And I'm so proud that he made that movie, because he never makes kids' movies, and I think he should more often, because I actually had a lot of fun with that movie. Yeah, it was really good. But yeah, Death Wish was ass. Bruce Willis was ass. He needs to start caring or get the fuck out of movies, so that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Let's see. Another disappointing movie. Um, Oh, Jurassic World 2. Oh, yeah. my God. They cloned people. And that was a major plot point. And then the clone let the animals go. 
proving we should not have fucking cloned people. Yeah. And then they treated the ending like it was happy that the dinosaurs are free. No, that raptor is going to fuck up a whole subdivision, and it's the clone's fault. Yeah. And it's just, I... Uh. Which is funny, because the opening scene mm-hmm. was terrifying. Yes, I agree. But uh, I would agree that it's very disappointing, especially from the first one. Um, another disappointing movie, I'll say... I'm going to go two more. Okay. Sorry to bother you. Got... Tons of amazing critical reception. Is that the Melissa McCarthy one? No, 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 no. Um, that's Can You Ever Forgive Me? Sorry to bother you. Is the one about the white voice? Oh, uh, okay. That's not what that movie's about. And while I understand the metaphor they were going for, and it was a very bold statement it was trying to make, I thought this movie was just really poorly executed. And I thought um, it was very muddled. I was interested in the sort of like not reality that they made because it takes place. Without telling you, it takes place, it, like, it doesn't take place in reality, which I thought that was interesting how they were playing with that. But overall, I thought the movie was just really disappointing and lackluster and just not great. Like, I don't know, just the whole movie I was watching, I was like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not connecting with it. So I thought that movie was quite disappointing, although it had a many great ideas that it played with. And another one that I thought was really disappointing was a movie called The Little Stranger. And it was a very independent movie with Domino Gleeson, and it came out, it's directed by the guy who made Room with Brie Larson, okay. and his name is leaving me. And I'm too lazy to look it up. I put the computer away. But um, the trailers for that intrigued the shit out of me. It looked like a ghost story about him going to a house and discovering this horrific past about a family. And Will Poulter's in it. And he killed it again. I love Will Poulter. And he needs to stop getting screwed at the Academy because he did for Detroit. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say for now. But um, Little Stranger, while it was very, it looked beautiful. And while all the performances were nice, the story felt like it was trying to build you up. And then instead of building you up, it just flatlined and stayed there for two-thirds of the movie. Yeah. And while there's a lot of intrigue, there was no payoff to the intrigue. So I will say Little Stranger was a disappointing movie for me. Fair enough. I mean, I I didn't see it, but fair enough. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much all we got for you guys today. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about the box office again and see what news stories we got for you guys. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Dalton Burdett. I'm Ryan Warner. We'll see you next week.